<laughs> no. Jump around. Is that a, is that two nineties no, for no, you? No, that was good. That was good. Mm. I was thinking of a different House of Pain when you said it. Though, Isn't so. that House of Pain? I think it is. Yeah, I I remember it, but not enough to be able to be detailed. I was thinking of the House of Pain uh, Tyler Perry sitcom. And oh, like, see, I don't know what that is. So, that wouldn't that be P A Y N E? Yes, actually, it is. Which is my yeah. family. Yeah. No relation. You might, you might no relation related. to Tyler Perry, I don't think. But you know, uh. you never know. <laughs> Thomas Paine, I was related to. Is that right? Common, you know, that's common with an sense. Mm-hmm. It yeah. changed over. Yeah. We, as many things did. We do that. We've changed a lot of things in the English language and so many spellings. But Thomas Paine wrote uh, Common Sense. It was. And now we. It was really none. good. And then he bailed on the U.S. and went to France. But you know. Well. So. And that went south quickly when he went to France. He wanted um, some croissants. Yes. And I get that. Found many beheadings at the time. So. Yep. Anywho, he he uh, ended up feeling like we weren't radical enough in in our transitions. But I feel that way about some things. Well, you know, there. I feel <laughs> me like and, me and Tom, we got a lot. Of I feel like there are a lot of things where uh, that which is not radical has become labeled as radical so. you use, people use the term radical and it seems yeah. like it's always a negative thing well like we like we were talking about before you get started on and we we got started on the podcast there are so many <laughs> so many terms that get thrown around right. as pejorative terms especially that are just undefined people don't define right. them you know we, anybody who disagrees with me is a fascist you know and anybody who you know says the Pledge of Allegiance uh, and says one nation under God is a Christian nationalist and so many different things like that. We we're not talking to, about that today. No, we're not, but but it is important for us to define terms. And so as we're kind of going into the, the understanding of what we're doing in Ephesians, there are a lot of things that Paul's going to talk about that we need to kind of get some understanding behind it um, for us to be able to really right. understand where we're going. We are starting a new uh, series. We started it this past Sunday. So if you haven't uh, checked that out yet and you want to, you can either... Uh, check out the audio on the podcast or look at Facebook or YouTube for the live streams. That might help you get uh, some insight into what we're talking about today. Do that first, then come back to this. We won't judge. Um, Good stuff. But yeah, you, Sunday was interesting, and I, I told you before the podcast, I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to talk about because it felt like as we're starting this new series, it, it was kind of an overview of sorts of not just what we're going to be talking about, but why and, and the importance of it. So it was, I was almost like an actual little study within an hour or so. Um, Yeah. We were trying to just kind of get an overview of the book of Ephesians and, and get some background so that as we talk about it, it kind of back to that defining terms ideas, which strictly speaking is not what we were doing, but we'll do that as we go along. Mm -hmm. And I want to, um, I want to make sure that as we're working through any one of these studies, whatever book of the Bible we're talking about, um, that we're we're seeing the full picture in the context and the genre, and, and to be able to understand what is this author saying to to his intended audience, the the recipient that that he's sending, right. and and what is the main idea that he's getting across, and then how does he intend for his audience to respond to that? Because that's going to go a long way toward informing us mm-hmm. as far as how we should respond to that. Uh, so it it is kind of the standard for us at Real Life right. when we start a new series to kind of take at least a week to to go through sort of a background uh, con- context mm-hmm. um, to be able to to look at because if we're going to 
We need to understand the the context of the writing in order right. for us to then contextualize it to our setting today. Right. I think you even mentioned on Sunday, or, or you suggested to people, you know, Ephesians is kind of a short book, so read it all. <laughs> read it this yeah, week. Yeah, there's not, it's there's not like, like there's chapters, a lot. There's right? Right. So, <clears throat> so I, I, and they're not long chapters. Right. So you're not so, talking about Psalm 119 or something. So that was something that you, you know, you sometimes do when you're studying something, is you read it all and get this big picture, and then you dive back in and kind of get a little deeper with everything. So I think that's a good tactics to start with but that that to me was that that little comment or suggestion that you made was kind of the all-encompassing what we were talking about this week you know let's get the big picture and then we can hone in on on what all of this means right which is why you know every time we do a sermon even if it's in a smaller passage we want i kind of lead with the the meta communication of giving our core reality here's here's the governing thought or principle now look at this from that lens right right. yeah. yeah once we get this big idea then all the rest of these things connect to that, mm-hmm. and we want to be able to see how how that works. And uh, this the the book of Ephesians is just so full of content. There's such great stuff in here, uh, deep theological principles, and then uh, you know coming out of those doctrines, then lifestyle mm-hmm. instruction that that Paul gives to us. And it's really easy when we take it out of context to then say you know, with this verse, or, to, or we're going to build a, a, a theology or a doctrine around this verse, uh, or we're going to take this list of behaviors and make that a checklist or rules that, that we have to follow. And when we do that, we're not being true to the author. We're not being true to the intent of, of the particular uh, book that we're studying. So we want to make sure in Ephesians that we're seeing kind of, you know, how this whole thing lays out. And we'll well, actually, this is one of the two books that I've actually, this is the second time that I've preached through this book. Um, I'm afraid to go back and listen to the first one and see how badly I messed it up. But uh, in going through it, there's, what I prefer to do most of the time is to try to keep it, <laughs> most people don't believe this because these get to be long series and long sermons, but I try to keep it as short as I can to try to say, okay, here's this passage. Here's Paul's big idea. Let's get this big idea and then move on to the next big idea. Mm-hmm. But in, in this book, there are so many uh, huge ideas under each big idea of the passage that we want to take some time. So, so it's not just like a chapter a week sort of it's thing. It's not. you know, And I, I tried to really lay it out that way and looked at it. I'm like, man, I just can't. There's... If I do, because I think that's what I did last time, mm-hmm. normally that's what... So I was looking at this as maybe being a, a, a 9 to 12 week uh, ser- uh, sermon series. And we went two weeks for each chapter, basically, in a nutshell. Right. Uh, but I don't know that it fits my preconceived ideas as far as right. how, to, how to structure that. So as we look at what, what the structure of his letter is, th- then we can start to put his big picture stuff together and then from that we can draw out our we don't want to read into the text we don't want to take our understanding and put it on it we want to be able to take the understanding of the author and the recipients and then draw from that uh, so that we we exegete we pull out from this text what he intends for us to to see and ultimately what god intends for us to see since the holy spirit is who inspired paul to uh, to write these things so uh, in doing this it seemed extra important for us to to get this big picture idea of you know the the series title is all for one and as we're looking at this all for one idea 
uh, I originally looked at things like, you know, reconciled and uh, unity. I was going to name it unity, and my wife forbade me from doing that uh, because of the political weight on it's that here lately. So, <clears throat> um, so I have to tell you, all for one, I can't. I, Newsies I, has been stuck in my head I'll all say, week. That would be a good one. I had Brian all Adams my, in my head. All, so. my, all week it's been in my head. Yeah, so. Seize the day. All my musical theater nerds are screaming yeah, right now. That, that would have been a good, good. one, yeah. So as, <laughs> and now I'm falling into Three Musketeers with, you know, with from go from Brian Adams to Three Musketeers with Charlie Sheen and, and Kiefer Sutherland, and, which, by the way, fantastic movie. I've really never like seen that. that. Oh my gosh, how could you grow up in the 90s and not see this movie? Because I don't like Charlie Sheen or Kiefer Sutherland. <laughs> oh my goodness, you must watch this, you must. Because when you said Three this Musketeers, this is your homework assignment. I don't want it. I yeah, <laughs> and so I'll put that on a group project. <laughs> I think of the one with Donald Duck. <laughs> that was also, three. Also terrific. That wasn't the Three Musketeers. They were like mariachi singers, weren't they? Uh, that's the Three Caballeros. Yeah, but they did do I mean. a Disney Three Musketeers. <laughs> but that wasn't Donald Duck, was it? It was Donald Duck, Goofy, and Mickey, I believe. Oh, so. Did you expect and, to hear this today? Is this what you came for? Anyway. Anybody who listens to this podcast is not in any way All surprised by 90s and Disney references. All so for one. anyway, as we're looking at this, that's there is a, a, a oneness, a unity theme throughout the book of Ephesians, but perhaps not the way we tend to, to mm-hmm. see it from our own perspective. And so the, the core reality that we looked at on Sunday, which governs, the entire book as we're going through this is that God's great purpose is to bring all things together under his kingdom rule in Jesus Christ. Kind of uh, an unwieldy core reality. There's nothing catchy about it, but that's that's the idea is is what God has been doing from the beginning to the end. What he's been, been doing from Genesis and, and carries out through Revelation uh, throughout human history is to establish this shalom, this this harmony, this wholeness and oneness and peace uh, throughout his created order to reestablish, if you will, what he created in the first place. So when we had this perfected, um, perfectly intimate relationship with him, no sin, no shame, no sickness, no death, that's the picture we see at the end of the book in, in Revelation 21 and 22. Where all of the, all of the creation, all every part of it, is at one with God. It's, mm-hmm. it's under His direct kingdom rule, and so from Genesis three, when sin enters the equation, and God promises the the serpent crusher will come and and defeat um, the the great serpent. Well. What we're seeing is God then reestablishing what sin broke. And he makes it clear repeatedly in his communications with Israel and his, and his communications to the church that the, um, this isn't like some plan B. God had, had foreordained uh, these things before the creation of the world. So we're going to see some of that in Ephesians. So, you know, there will be. Uh, weeks when we have to kind of pass over mm-hmm. some big concepts to come back to, to deal with those directly uh, because there's just so much in it. So as we're looking at this, Paul lays out the case of of God bringing about his purpose in Christ. So his, his overarching uh, great purpose is to bring all things, humanity, the physical realm, the spiritual realm, all of it together under that, that one solidified uh, 
unified kingdom rule, and he does that in the person of the Son of, of Jesus Christ. And so uh, we'll be looking at that. And we <clears throat> we looked at some background information, which we can talk about in a little bit. But but ultimately, when we are looking through the message of the book of Ephesians, there are some some key, really three things that stood out to me that we need to see. There, There's obviously much more in there, but three main things that we want to grab. One is just the simple reality that God does have a great overarching agenda. Mm-hmm. Things are not random. Uh, life is not random or meaningless. God's not arbitrary. He does things by choice, and he is the initiator in these things. So it's not like God's scrambling, oh, man, they really messed up this time. What are we going to do to, to fix this? Um, man, they you know they ate that fruit. I guess I better come up with a savior plan. It's he, easy to think that, like it, right. God didn't expect that to happen, and now I have to alter my. You know, I think we talked about uh, uh, that movie. I like the Adjustment Bureau a couple oh, times, yeah. and in the end of the movie, spoiler alert, it's been out for like fifteen years. Um, these two people want to be together, and at the end of the movie, they come out, and there's this book that everybody follows or whatever, and the the uh, what's his name, the chairman, who is you know essentially God that you never see uh, because these two people wanted to be together so badly and they fought so badly to be together, the chairman changed their plan so they could. Mm. And whether that was, you, you don't know if that was initially the plan and it made it, you know, but uh, I think we, we look at, at God that way sometimes, especially now I've, been, I've mentioned it the past two weeks. Now I'm in the old Testament. I'm doing this Bible reading plan. Mm. And it just seems like there's so many, these people are messing up again and again and again. And God says, well, now I'm going to do this. Now I'm going to do this. Now I'm going to do this. And it almost makes it sound if you read it a certain way, like, oops, I didn't expect them to do that. So now I have right. to do this, but that's not the case. Which is know? why we have to look at right. the whole counsel of right. God. So when we look at the entire Bible together and let the scripture interpret the scripture, then we can look at those narrative pieces and understand them in light of the theology we see in the rest of it. And so when we see Creator God in Genesis 1, and we read the book of Job and see what God's doing in the background behind everything um, that Job doesn't understand, Mm -hmm. uh, and then we use those types of passages uh, as a filter, as a lens through which to see the rest of it, then it becomes clearer. We can start to see things more uh, more accurately, and, and the picture that we see in part in each of these passages then becomes more of a cohesive whole and you know it's in some ways and this is not a really great analogy but maybe it'll help somebody uh, connect the realities here Uh, in some ways it reminds me of impressionist art where you know if you're looking at a monet or whatever and you're too close or you're too focused (laughs) about clueless (laughs) and and you see (laughs) Sorry, we, we do we do get distracted, uh, but anyway. It's a total Monet. It, it's good from, good from far, but far but from close. It's just a big old mess. Yeah. When we when we do that with you know like with impressionist art, we can focus in on pieces right. and we miss out on on the overall picture. Right, and we have to kind of step back from it to be able to see. Oh, all of these little parts that seem meaningless and random in themselves come together to to make something. And so Ephesians kind of gives us that picture, especially in the in the first chapter, uh, we see that, that God has has chosen us. He's mm-hmm. predestined us to be adopted as his children uh, from before the beginning of time. And we'll spend some time looking at that later on, but the, the just the picture of his, 
intentionality, mm-hmm. that, that there is purpose in all of these things is a really big deal. And that kind of leads us to the, the idea that Christ's kingdom rule is a settled matter. It's not a maybe. It's not God's working and progressing toward this. And as it's not it, if this, then that. Right. It's already... Yeah. You know. and, and so the language that is used is a past tense as we're declaring that which is to be as if it has already happened. Um, and Paul even says that this is God's will. He's done this. It's settled to be put into effect when the time has fully come. So when all things are in place then what is already reality in eternity will then become reality in the temporal realm. And that's, uh, you know, kind of crucial foundation to be able to understand that God does actually have a great and overarching agenda that that he is working out through. And then the second thing is uh, just recognizing that God brings reconciliation through Christ. And so as Christ followers, as Christians, we know this, but I don't know if we know this. We, there's so many things that we just don't in our age think deeply enough about. We have a tendency to, you know, say the sinner's prayer or whatever, and, and uh, okay, we're in, and then that's it, you know. Right. And so many people do that, like with marriage, and we've talked about mm-hmm. that a hundred times, that <clears throat> if I stop growing and learning and working after I say my vows on my wedding day, uh, that marriage is not going to survive. It's, right. it, you know, or you might stay married, but it's going to be a you know a miserable experience. <laughs> and at best, right. shallow. Right. You know, it, it, you know, maybe we get along all the time, but right. we have no depth. Right. And that's not the Christian life. The biblical picture that we have is is a constant growth uh, in understanding God better. And if we know Him and love Him, then we want to know Him more so that we can love Him more. Right. So. And I think we've talked about this before as well. You know, if you're a, a saved individual and you're still, you know, maybe constantly questioning that or questioning mm-hmm. whatever, or you live in fear or you have this or whatever, it doesn't necessarily take away your salvation, but you're really only harming yourself in right. the in the process of not moving forward with what you what you already know. Yeah, you're missing out on right. a joyful experience right. that is intended for you. It's there for you to have. Right. But by not um, diligently and intentionally developing that relationship and in growth, uh, both in knowledge, uh, relational knowledge, growth in doctrine and, and in the personal experience of what that doctrine means, but also in growing by exercising. I have to actually do things. And if I don't do things, I don't grow. And that's true for any of us. If I if I eat and I don't move, I'm going to expand, going but to I'm grow. not going to grow. Right. You know, I'm not going to I'm not going to develop muscle. I'm actually going to harm my system and my body will um, begin to atrophy and shut down. But if I do those if I take in good nutrition and I work and burn up that nutrition, then it does what it's intended to do right. and my body becomes well, I think healthy. especially when you look at it from a relational aspect, you know, if you have a friendship or a relationship of any kind, you can say, oh yeah, so-and-so is my friend. But if you talk to them, you know, once a year or, you know, you say something to them right. on Facebook, it's not the same it's different as levels the people, of friendship right, for right. sure. You so know. anyway. Yeah. So the, the reconciliation that God brings through Christ is a, is a whole not just a whole life reconciliation, but a whole universe reconciliation. And so three aspects that we see spelled out for us very clearly 
uh, and there's there's more in it that we'll develop as we go, but we, that in Christ, um, this reconciliation makes us one with Christ. We're united to him. And so when when we are in him, when God looks at us, what he sees is Christ because we're in Christ. So we're reconciled to God in that sense. Uh, and that's ultimately, that that's our first step in a relationship. We, we have to be reconciled to God. Otherwise, we are eternally separated from the giver of life, the source of peace, the, the very definition of love. Uh, and, and so that's, that's the very first building block is, is we have to be one with Christ, which is, as we'll see, something that God initiates um, and then we respond to that. Also, uh, we're reconciled to one another. We're made one in Christ because of the nature of our salvation and the, and the grace that we receive. Uh, we recognize, and, and Paul makes it very clear in here, it's not about your background. It's not about what you, you know, where you come from, what denomination or skin color or, or economic uh, status. Uh, it's not about being Jew or Gentile. It's what have you done with Jesus? What have you done with Christ? And uh, when we recognize that the, uh, the, the ground at the foot of the cross is level for everyone, then we look at one another differently, that we are now uh, one body. If, if he's the head and we are together his body, then it doesn't matter what you look like or, or where you come from or where we disagree on, on trivial matters uh, of this life we're still one, we're family, we're one body, and we need to recognize that reconciliation to one another. And then uh, the last three chapters really focus on being one for Christ. In other words, having our, our conduct reconciled to our identity, that we are a wholeness, a, a, a unity in uh, not just who we are, the first three focuses on our identity, but but in what we do in light of who we are. So how do we walk out this uh, this living relationship that we have with Jesus. So because of that, everything that we do is now for him. It's, it's all for this one. And we are all together for this one uh, Lord that we serve. So that's kind of where we're focusing on with that. And then the third um, element that gets clearly spelled out for us in there is that God carries out his program through the church. So uh, we have a tendency in our age to, to take church lightly. So it's important for us to go and have a fun experience. And we, uh, we go to a Sunday morning service that is you know, entertaining and, and fits my needs. And I get to you know, dress the way I want and take my coffee into the service and all those kinds of things that are totally foreign to uh, centuries of believers. And I'm not necessarily saying that those things are wrong. In fact, you know, that's where a come as you are church and we have coffee up front and and all that sort of stuff and you know we 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 do love our rock and roll but the and our coffee. but the reality is it can't be about that right. and we have to understand that this is bigger than just consumer christianity mm -hmm. and it's not that the church is optional we've been seeing that a lot since the 70s that um you know, me and Jesus got our own thing going. So uh, there's an old song. Now the song is going to be in my head. It's an old 70s song that was a pretty dope little tune. But the theology is kind of sketchy. If it's just about me and Jesus, then most of the Bible doesn't make any sense because God spends his time talking 
two individuals in the context of the corporate relationship. Right. So he deals with Israel as a as a unit and the individuals that make up that unit. And he deals with believers in the New Testament as the church, as a unit. But it requires our personal faith, not a private faith, but a personal faith that I, I can't have somebody else make the choice for me and I can't make it for somebody else. But because I am in Christ, now we are united, we're bonded together. And this unity that we have in Christ is because he is manifesting himself in and through us as the church. Uh, in fact, he describes us as living stones, each of us as living stones being built together into the spiritual dwelling for the Spirit of God. We together are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We talk a lot about our bodies being the temple of the Holy Spirit, and that's true also. That's also biblical. But it's bigger than that. It's our lives together as the church that is the, the true temple of the Holy Spirit where God makes his presence known. And so we see that, that he chose us by his sovereign grace to be his. I mentioned that earlier. We'll talk about it as we go along through the series. Uh, and, and as the church, as the temple of God, we display his glory, character, and dominion. So his rule, he, he manifests through us. He rules through his people. Uh, in fact, back in Genesis, he, that's the command that he gives uh, to Adam and Eve is go be fruitful, multiply, and have dominion over the, the creatures and over the created order. So we rule on his behalf. And then we also represent him in spiritual battle. And uh, toward the end of uh, chapter six, or the middle of chapter six, toward the end of the book, uh, he describes the battle that we're in, mm -hmm. that our, our battle isn't with flesh and blood, but with principalities and powers. And, and, and we're, we're, we're dealing with... Um, you know, as, as they're looking at Judaizers and other folks who are coming in, bringing perhaps a false teaching, he's pointing out, this, look, they're not your enemies. The enemies are the spiritual forces at work. Right. And you need to be wearing spiritual armor. So because we represent him, we, we live in this world and we do spiritual battle in the name of the Lord, um, which is not the same as, you know, the... The, the literal physical battles that we saw during the Crusades, right. most of which had very little to do with the Lord and much to do with human tendencies. Um, but we would put a cross on a flag. And we see, you know, that John I think Mark we mentioned type. Christian nationalism right. at the beginning. When we want to throw a Christian label on things, right. that, that doesn't make it God-honoring. Uh, but we do, in a real sense, in our, in our battle with the forces of darkness, represent the Lord. And so he takes care of his own. He equips us. He, he um, gives us everything that we need in this armor to, to work through that. So. And that's, you know, you, you touched on earlier before we even started, I think, um, one of the reasons for outlining this is it's important to be able to see where we today in 2021 fit into this picture uh, you know, yeah. I, you said this was being, you know, written for Jews and Greeks, you know, at the time. Right. So how, and, and this podcast. And what is, is now, you know, we know it as, as Turkey. Right. Today. So bringing that to the present, I mean, everything we've touched on today is, is today, is yeah. relevant today. Yeah. Uh, and, and I feel like there's so much to dive into that is happening today. Oh, uh, that that could just so deeply connect with this. So yeah, I don't think it's going to be a twelve week study. Well, no, uh, <laughs> and I think that's one of the challenges that we face when we're looking at these things is how do we 
how do we take the principles from the scriptures, apply them to our current context without over-contextualizing? Mm. We, don't, we don't want to read our context back into it right. so much that we change the meaning of the principle that's there. But we do want to understand that we don't live in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. This isn't like some theological ivory tower we sit around and, and discuss meaningless points. Right. We have to actually live in this world. And as we live in this world... One of the things that I think is is good for us in understanding the background of these things is that Ephesus was an affluent, highly immoral society. That sure seems an awful lot like the world that we're living in today. We're we're wealthier, particularly here in in America or in Western Europe, but you know, especially in the U.S., we have a, a standard of living where our poverty is a higher standard of living than the vast majority of the world for the vast majority of history. What was opulent in days gone by mm-hmm. is nothing compared to today. So there were, I mean, you're talking about millennia with kings and queens that didn't have indoor plumbing, right? So they sure didn't have cell phones and cars. They'd be blown away by by the standard of living we have. So to have the, the, uh, the affluence that we have today and so often we feel like, oh my goodness, it's so dark. What are we going to do? Our political party isn't in power and blah, blah, blah. There's so you much know. discord. Right. And, blah, blah. and so, but that's what they're dealing with in Ephesus as well. Nobody's right. political party's in power here of any of the people in the church because the Romans are in power. It's not a democracy even when they have a Senate. It's, it's a not bureaucracy. A no, I'm just kidding. Gosh, no, with the we 90s are, movies today, We are rolling today, with this, aren't we? But, uh, but as... You know, as you look at what's going on there, they, the, the, the city is defined by its temple to Artemis. Right. And if you've ever seen any, any pictures of the statues of Artemis, she's like, because of, of her role in fertility and, and, and so on and so forth, she's like multi-breasted. She's covered over with... The, it sounds like it, a personal it, problem. It, yeah, you might need to see a doctor <laughs> about that. But but this there's so much... Uh, immorality involved right. in the worship of these pagan deities, yeah. particularly when you're talking about Artemis slash Diana uh, and, and you know, so many others. But that's defining the culture there. Right. Everything in the culture is designed by, by the devil to be specifically anti-Christ, mm-hmm. anti-theist, um, so that the idea of one God caused the Romans to label Christians as atheists. Jews got away with it because they were considered an ancient religion, so they were protected. Otherwise, in. yeah, they were grandfathered <laughs> in. That's literally what happened. Uh, but the Christians, as a new sect of of uh, Judaism, and then later seen as separate, uh, they were considered to be atheists because they don't believe in all of our gods here. So just like today, so that you, sounds familiar. you're facing a cancel culture like, right. like you wouldn't believe. And in Ephesus, when Paul was there, they had, you know, they had a major riot in the city uh, that, you know, not just Paul, but several were nearly killed through this riot because the effect of Christianity was starting to hurt the economy that was built on the pagan worship and the immorality. So beyond Ephesus, looking at the greater Roman Empire in the first century, as the Christian influence uh, spread throughout, what ended up happening is there was a major crisis over the sanctity of life. Roman culture did not recognize life as sacred, but Christians did. 
And so they're saving babies from being murdered. They're saving the elderly from being being destroyed or, or murdered or put out to pasture. They're you know fighting against uh, the gladiator uh, rituals that they went through. And, and not as much fighting in the sense that we would recognize today with trying to gain political power. They had none. But in person to person, connecting, changing people's values so that people don't want to be a part of the blood sport that's right. going on out there. So everything is in play as far as the culture goes. And that's what you're looking at in Ephesus where the, you you have the Greek culture, you fancy yourself as intellectuals, and these Christians are beneath us. They're not they're not intellectual enough. You've got the Roman culture, which is orderly political uh, realm stuff. This doesn't doesn't really fit. You're outside of our norms, uh, potentially, and and not that they had that kind of persecution in, in Ephesus, but in, it, you're beginning to see these things in the empire uh, where. You uh, Nero is the emperor at this time, and and so Christians are becoming scapegoats for a number of things, and it it just becomes a a really interesting parallel to what we're living in today, where it's not like you know a lot of times we'll compare it to you know 1940s America or or you know medieval Europe where Christianity in some form is the norm and mm-hmm. seen as a societal good that's not what they're dealing with in Ephesus and it's less and less what we're dealing with today right. so as we're wrestling through some of these things there there are some key elements that are very parallel to what we're dealing with and in the church then it's very easy for you to feel like you're you're downtrodden like right. like you know we just can't win. We've lost the cultural narrative here, and everybody's got answers. I don't really know what to do with all this, so now I have doubts and so on. And so what, what Paul wanted them to gain from this and what we ought to gain from this, it should be a certain confidence in understanding that God is sovereign. It's not, uh, it's not random stuff that's happening, but it's part of a greater purpose. And we should uh, find in this an internal and external peace, peace within and peace with one another as we understand the nature of our salvation. Understanding that we're saved by grace through faith that God gives us. We didn't work it up from our own holiness, but God gives us grace as a gift uh, so that there's no room for boasting in our own works. But that also leads us into a lifestyle. And so then Mm. that that internal peace with God leads to peace with one another because we are together in Christ. Um, so that confidence and peace should be coming from that. And it also should should give us an increasingly accurate reflection of who Jesus is based right. on our identity in Christ. If I'm in Christ, then there, there are just, it's not so much a, you know, thou shalt not kind of thing. Not that there aren't rules, but the rules are for those who are under the law, and that's a conversation for another time. For those who are in Christ, the law—that's low-hanging fruit. You know, yeah. that we're not—we're we're above the law literally, in that our standards, our expectations, are higher than that—that that lowest common denominator thinking of "thou shalt not kill." Well, Jesus said, "Yeah, if you have hatred in your heart for somebody." You're already a murderer in your heart. And so as Christ followers, we should be seeing that here as we go through this book that uh, Paul gives the church the instruction that because of who you are, here's what that looks like. Here's how you live. And uh, we should be able to find that that more profound and more accurate reflection of Christ in our lives from reading this book. I'm excited. 
Me too. Uh, so yeah, we will uh, get keep going with this. And uh, I mean, next week you're going to read chapter one, I'm assuming. We'll, we'll, we'll be <laughs> it's getting the, It's usually at, where we start. At least part of it, for okay, sure. Okay, so uh, join us for that. And, if you, and guys, you may find Bernie in a chair at the, as you go there. No, maybe not. It, it's going to be dead by then. I don't know. It's it'll be a to, new thing. The internet seems to have the internet. A life what of a concept. Uh, so yeah, whether there's Bernie or not, come feel the burn and <laughs> join us next week. If you guys have any questions as we get started with this, or you know, along the way, you're gonna say something snarky. Aren't you? I, I'm um, just picturing showing up to <laughs> preach and getting up in the pulpit and and having somebody put a Bernie in a chair picture out the in the mittens. middle of. The, um, I think it's great. You can work it into your into your. Uh, I will try imagery. really hard not to, but it's I possible. can't make the same promise. <laughs> um, so yeah, feel free to uh, send us an email at something real at reallifeonline.org. Uh, you can leave us a comment on Facebook or YouTube, um, or leave us a voicemail at two six nine seven five six R L C C. I realize that when I'm doing things with my hands, you can only see my fingertips, and you can't <laughs> see me at all if you're just listening to the podcast. So that's awkward. Um, we'll have to sit on some books. You're taller than I am. I'm Especially just I'm slouching, too. Bad posture. This I wrote is... an article about bad posture today, and now I'm not following it. Um, <laughs> we are the home of professional <laughs> And if you heard my child throughout this podcast, I apologize. It's very excited. Never about, apologize. That is very excited sound. about uh, using the potty. <laughs> we, we love to hear Georgie. <laughs> so, yeah. Thank you guys for listening. And uh, do you have any closing thoughts? That won't take 45 minutes. <laughs> uh, no, just as we're, as we're going forward, recognize that... that Unlike the political use of the word unity that's being thrown around, we as Christ followers are called to a, a true unity that we'll see in the book of Ephesians. And ultimately, uh, and, and I mean ultimately in the ultimate sense, that in the end, as things come together, all things will be brought into a unity uh, under Christ. We will close there. Thank you guys for listening. We'll catch you next time.